welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hello, this is Buddy C. Welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. Today we have Amy and Marla and Pip and Craig and Lou. Good to have you guys today. Announcements. Amy, you did a fantastic job last Saturday night on your story. Enjoyed that on the fourth dimensioners meeting. And you did a fantastic job on Tuesday night. I don't know what day it is. So that night that you did your story was oh, it was just phenomenal. A night to celebrate our two years of uh, fourth dimensioner meetings and. I knew when that started that I wanted to talk about the uh, student and teacher relationship. You know, when the student's ready, the teacher appears is one of the sayings. And that's not dependent on the teachers, dependent on the student, right? The student seeking the teachers that that student needs shows up. So we were all looking for a meeting and I was looking for a meeting too when the pandemic started. So. All I did was open a, a Zoom door and post it at some different places. Everyone else showed up and made the meeting. So if uh, they wouldn't have shown, there wouldn't have been a meeting. And, and it is just taking on a life of its own. And then, then, you know, others contributed things that or the meeting would be dead now if it were not for a suggestion to put it on intergroup. It could still be dead if. Uh, one of our hosts did not suggest to call it the fourth dimensioners. Uh, you know, when I heard uh, Derek M suggest that, I thought, I don't know about it. Well, okay, whatever, you know. Being it was the fourth dimensioners, when people go to the inner group and look for a meeting at 9 p.m., it's the first meeting they see because it starts with a number. We Mr. Magood our way into that, too. So like everything else, you know. Buddy, so, do you remember what your suggestion was? I do not. I do because I thought to myself, what? <laughs> but you wanted us to be called the COVID Crusaders. <laughs> Are you so, serious? Absolutely so serious. You're like, listen, the COVID Crusaders. Yes. I'm like, no, 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 no. So I don't think that did. I think it must have been someone else. Because I remember thinking, what the hell? Like, that's a core memory for me, buddy, right now, because I was like, oh, hell to the no. We cannot be called the COVID crusaders, because what if this thing lasts past COVID? Because at that time, we still were convinced that COVID was only going to be a short time. So, yeah, yeah. I'm not claiming that, but that's all, if you say so. That's you fine. do you, buddy, but I'm going to tell you right now, that's the way it went down. <laughs> you have a slight, maybe I have a memory. I don't know. Anyway. I'm embarrassed for you. <laughs> is that the best? Is that really the best you could come up with? I'm not full of uh, always have good suggestions, Craig. Sometimes I have really good ones and sometimes really bad ones. Let's see, what else do we have? If you are listening to this podcast in a correctional facility, which we've had individuals from correctional facilities contact us wanting copies of, uh, the book, Powerless But Not Helpless, if you want a copy or anyone that cannot 
afford to buy a copy at Amazon of Powerless But Not Helpless, just email me at info at buddyc.org and I will send you a PDF. That's the ad, the email info at buddyc.org. We've sent to chaplains, tried to mail some copies to different correctional facilities, and those have gotten returned so far. But I would love to get this anywhere it can be used. And if you want some sample pages, go to buddyc.org and you can look at some sample verses of my interpretation of the Tao Te Ching that just came out of this study for years. That uh, is just a gift like the rest of this. I also do a, there's a sign up there for a daily Tao recovery email, if that's something that you're interested in. That's at buddyc.org. That's free as well. Any other announcements? We talked about, oh, zoomaameetings.com is the link to the 9 p.m. Eastern uh, open up AA meeting that's every night at 9 p.m. Eastern. The Facebook group is the same uh, logo. It's a Dow of Our Understanding Recovery podcast. That's on Facebook, and it's a private group. No one outside the group knows that you're a member. Anyone in the group, of course, does, but anyone outside the group does not. The 76th verse of the Tao Te Ching. Marla, I'll get you to read the Fang and Mitchell translations. And then, Amy, I'll get you to read the MacDonald and Hogan, if you would. And anyone that has any other translation that they want to read, they're welcome to. Go ahead, Marla. Verse 76, translation one. A man is born gentle and weak. At his death, he is hard and stiff. Green plants are tender and filled with sap. At their death, they are withered and dry. Therefore, the stiff and unbending is the disciple of death. The gentle and yielding is a disciple of life. Thus, an army without flexibility never wins a battle. A tree that is unbending is easily broken. The hard and strong will fall. The soft and weak will overcome. Translation two. Men are born soft and supple. Dead, they are stiff and hard. Plants are born tender and pliant. Dead, they are brittle and dry. Thus, whoever is stiff and inflexible is a disciple of death. Whoever is soft and yielding is a disciple of life. The hard and stiff will be broken. The soft and supple will prevail. And I will pass. McDonald's translation, the living are soft and yielding. The dead are rigid and stiff. Living plants are flexible and tender. The dead are brittle and dry. Those who are stiff and rigid are the disciple of death. Those who are soft and yielding are the disciples of life. The rigid and stiff will be broken. The soft and yielding will overcome. Hogan's translation, a baby's body is soft and gentle. A corpse is hard and stiff. Plants and trees are tender and full of sap. Dead leaves are brittle and dry. If you are rigid and unyielding, you might as well be dead. If you are soft and flexible, you're truly alive. Soldiers trained to fight to the death will die. A tree that cannot bend, a tree that cannot bend with the wind will snap. 
Here's a useful saying. The harder they come, the harder they fall. Here's another. The meek shall inherit the earth. Thank you, Amy. Here's my interpretation of uh, the 76th verse. Surrender to win is the is the uh, title I put on it. All things while alive are soft and pliable. Dead brings rigidness and decay. The same can be said for spiritual principles. The forceful and unyielding are companions of death. Surrender and acceptance are disciples of life. An army that cannot change its strategy never wins. A tree unable to bend will break. A person set in their ways will never be happy. The the narrow-minded and defiant will fail. The tender, yielding, and compassionate will overcome. A note I have here is that our flexibility comes with lowering our resistance. It's another way to look, look at this. I think this can be a description of the second step, quite honestly, or the first three in some way. Any Does that resonate with anyone? The second step is, remind me again. I'm sorry. I'm having a believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. I'm just having a senior moment. Is that? I, I'm just, even, I guess I'm interpreting it, um, you know, just knowing the Tao as being an open vessel, being empty so that I can accept what is. Being flexible, right? Yeah, f- the flexibility. the And knowing people who are really set in their ways, they're not happy. They don't want to f- be flexible at all. And so they're not happy because the world doesn't go according to their plan. I, yeah, I do see that. And that rigidness that brings death, you know, it's a sign of death, is the rigidness. Kind of is. So it's just like with life, you know, we're uh, the the deader we are, you know, the first thing that happens is rigor mortis sets in if we die, when we die. And so we're we're not flexible at all. There's no flexibility to us. So we could apply that to... Any situation, we could apply that to life in general, all kinds of different ways. We could look at ways that we're, are we being flexible in this situation? Are we being open-minded in this situation? Amy? Yeah, so real-life recent example, um, you know, what, a month and a half ago or so, my husband and I decided to, that we're going to buy a house. Um, and um, <laughs> I I had a, a number, uh, you know, a price in my head because we've been renters for quite some time. Frankly, um, we were just too lazy to do all the work that's involved in buying a house and we're comfortable and we had one left, you know, that was in high school. And so we were just like, let's just stay put for as long as we can. And then, um Yeah, we got tired of throwing our rent money away. Anyway, the point is, I had this number of of the price of the house, you know, and I I was like, I don't want to go above that because I don't want the mortgage. I like my budget the way it is. And and, um, especially with my profession, um, 
And and I just I know I can't go above that number because then the mortgage will be higher than what the rent would be. And I had all these false justifications in my head about why I couldn't go above this number. And then my amazing sponsor one day said, Why are you so dead set on that number? Why? Can you just be open minded to to maybe go a little above? I said, okay. I also never in my wildest dreams would have thought that a brand new freaking house, brand new, no one's ever lived there house would have been in my grasp. Never was that even on the radar. But because I was willing to, to get rid of that hard line, you know, that rigidity, then the door opened. And I will tell you that no, it's not that numbered. It's not that price that I had in my mind. Even above that price, it's a brand new house and the mortgage payment is, turns out, is going to be less, of course, than the rent that we're going to, we would have been paying if we stayed here. I mean, so just the willingness, right? The willingness to, to try to be a little more open minded and to get rid of that, that, that stiff, rigid boundary that I made up in my head. Um, it really just, I'm just, wow, just in awe of, of what's happening now. So um, there you go. That's real life. Thank you, Amy. I was look, looking at Byron Katie's A Name, A Thousand Names for Joy and her her um, kind of interpretation of the 76th verse. All things change because perception is constantly changing. When your mind is enlightened to itself and you notice that the world is a reflection of your own thinking, you're you'll never you're never surprised at these changes. You become supple. You discover that you can delight in change. You see the goodness of creation and how it can only keep surpassing itself. Why would the mind hold on to what was when it recognizes that what is, is always better. As you do the work, I see, as you do the work, you return to the place where you never actually move from. The heart, the sweet center of the universe. The heart is just another name for the open mind. There's nothing sweeter. I have one more. This is from the complete works of Lao Tzu by Watching me, I think that's right. One who realizes his virtuous responsibility is, one who realizes his virtuous responsibility to quietly offer himself to others without expecting a reward or honor can be entrusted with the life of the entire world. Indeed, he becomes the savior of the world. So he's talking about being supple, but being flexible. And the way that you're flexible is by quietly offering yourself to others without expecting a reward or honor. And that's really virtue, isn't it? I mean, that's and that's what we learn in recovery. You know, we're not we were talking about I was talking about the second step with a sponsee today earlier. And how. When we help someone else. It's not as if we're rewarded for helping someone else, as in some kind of a 
cosmic reward system. It's that when I help someone else, I am really helping me. I'm actually helping myself when I help someone else. It's not a reward. Uh, Because if we're all connected, it's just like my hand only gets nourishment from the rest of the body, right? My hand does not get fed from an outside source, but it goes and it takes food and puts food in the mouth. And then it eventually gets nourishment back to the hand. So in the same way, I am getting nourishment when I help you. And I'm also getting nourishment when I allow you to help me. I give by allowing you to help me. That's being flexible as well. I mean, how many times have you seen someone that needed help? They wouldn't accept help because, you know, they, they for whatever reason, you know, fear or pride or whatever it is. Um, but I'm giving when I allow you to help me, too. So it's all of this constant self-giving interaction all the time. And that's what nourishes us. And we can't do that unless we learn to be flexible, unless we learn to bend. Comments? Reminds me, buddy, of um, of kind of the idea of having a um, being being um, open to the flow. I can't think of the word I want to think of right now. Um, but I've in the past I had a lot of trouble with money, a lot of hangups on money and concepts around money, and some guilt. Um, you know that I should be doing this with money or that with money. And I had a friend that said something one day um, in one of those teacher moments where she said, well, she's money's just passing through me. I'm just a, I'm a transit stop for money. And if I spend money, on a nice, whatever scarf or whatever for myself, I'm putting that money in so that, that, that uh, somebody else can use it for something else. And it was the way that it was, that it was phrased where, um, Money wasn't a good thing or a bad thing, um, but by spending money and by thinking of it differently, I was putting it back into the system. I can't really explain it, but it it um, changed my thinking about resources and about what I needed and what I did and uh, not needing to hoard money or anything else for that matter. Um, I wish I could explain it better, but that's part of the thinking I have with it. It's, it's um, all kinds of things that we share if we're doing it with the right kind of intention or the right um, right spirit, then it goes where it needs to go. And I, and I don't have to worry about what that outcome is going to be. Thank you, Lou. Craig? Lou, I had, I had something the exact same. When I, um, I managed to clear my debts within about seven months of not drinking, that was my that was my ultimate goal when when I started noticing that I was I was coming from this place of place of lack, and then all of a sudden I had this abundance of money. I thought to myself, right, you know, I really need to get my finger out and get on top of all my debts. So I cleared my credit cards, student loan, everything else I had outstanding, um, and then all of a sudden I was thrown into this this place of abundance, and it got to this stage where about fourteen months in, I ended up with like six months worth of wages sat in the bank that I hadn't touched. By the time you take my, by the time you take all my, 
can we take my tax off, my household bills? I just got to the stage where, you know, I wasn't using this money. And I became very insecure with that because I didn't want to go back to that place of lack. I'd put this rigid thing in place to say, no, that is my money and I'm not I'm not going to lose it. And it actually became a bit of a sore point with me. And it still is to this day because I cannot trust myself with money. It's not that that I can't trust myself with money. It's the fact that I don't want to fall into this trap of obsessing about someone else. So when I raised this issue with the the mastermind group we were in at the time, Buddy was like, have you tried giving your money away? And I was like, the fuck are you talking about? Why on earth would I want to give all this money away because that's going to put myself... And he's like, well, that's the only way you're going to get rid of your problem is if you get rid of it. You're sitting obsessing about it. You have to be open to giving things away. That's the only way you're going to get better. And I was thinking to myself, you know, you're lunatic. You know, the guy's not right in the head. Spoke to everyone in the group about it, and one of the guys is like, look, if you, if your wife, if you found out your wife had this amount of money in your in her bank account, what would you think? Like, oh, okay, what's she up to? Why is she hoarding this? And that's exactly what I was doing, was hoarding it. Everybody else in the group came back with the exact same thing. You need to give it away. You need to get rid of it because you're just obsessing about it. I gave it away and my wife was absolutely delighted. I said, right, Louise, there you go. That's that's what I've seen. And she's like, holy fuck. I didn't realise that you had – I knew you had a bit of money because you weren't drinking. I didn't realise how much you were actually drinking. And this is when other issues started to come out as well. So we, we back to the mastermind group because they're, they're like, so how did that go, Craig? I was like, man, guys, you just opened up a can of worms. 49% of what I was bringing home was getting drank and spent on Amazon. So we did an exercise where we says, right, you know, you you obviously didn't need that money when you were drinking, so you don't need it now when you're not drinking. So you set yourself, we had to set myself a goal. So the goal was my household bills are paid. I've got a little bit of pocket money at the end of the month, but the majority of what was left was given away. And now to this day, five and a half years in, I'm still doing the exact same thing. As soon as the money hits in, there's money goes to an account for Louise, there's account, another account for a savings and then there's, there's a big savings account. But 49% of my income, because I wasn't missing it, and I wasn't obsessing about it, but it's like Amy says, I had to be willing to try something. But I was very rigid for the first year or so, saying, no, that's it. Nobody's getting my money. It very quickly became my money rather than my household's money, my family's money. I think to myself, do you know what? They've had their share. They've had their part of the bills paid. And I think to myself, do you know what? Because Callum obviously understands things like council tax, water rates, electricity rates, Property rates, you know, so he, I've paid all that for him. Not realising the fact that, you know, he's he's a kid that doesn't understand anything at all. He, all he's interested in is where his next Lego set's going to come from. But I think it's just willing to believe that something good can come of this. But letting go of that was, letting go of that is something that I still have to work on every single month because I, I see the money hit the account and I see the money go right out of the account. I'm like, where did that go? You know, it's just, I am that vessel. I am just that conduit that goes, where did that go? What happened? And it was that scarcity that I couldn't, that scarcity thinking that I couldn't phrase. That was the phrase I was trying to think of. Yeah, that's absolutely it. I have that fear of going back to that scarcity mindset of thinking I can't afford this. 
Whereas now the mindset is, how can I afford this? How can, how can I make this work from what I have at the moment? That's not going to be detrimental to anything. But then I don't, I, then I forget, do you know what? I've never done, I've never went without anyway. Doesn't matter. In my poorest days, I've always managed. I'm, I'm still here. So far, I've survived 100% of the days where I've had absolutely nothing at all. But there is definitely still a lot of fear about stepping back to that uh, that scarcity mindset. So I, I see I see where this one is going. Say, look, guys, you need to be willing to change because if you, it doesn't matter how big you are, how strong you are, if you don't change, if you don't ch- change the mindset, if you don't change the ways, if you don't change your behaviours, you're going to get left behind. Just I'm, I'm, if I hadn't decided to change my my lifestyle over drinking, I wouldn't be here now. I would still be. There's a good chance that there's a good chance I would have drank myself to death by now. But I just had to be willing to change what I was doing. Um, the Benjamin Hoff translation of um, his verse reminds us as well that um, I've got it here. He says, um, as the saying goes, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Our bigger is better society has in recent years begun to some has has begun to give some attention to that message. Maybe it now can give some more attention to the chapter's other message that the pliant and tender, the flexible and yielding, the disciples of life point the way to the future survival. I was thought the bigger the bank account, the better my life was going to be. Well, you know, we have the same problems, Craig. Uh, the challenge a lot of times when, you know, when things have, uh, you know, it says the hard and strong will fall. When we when we have success, remaining flexible in success, see that can be a real issue. Learning how to do that, how not to uh, not to start buying into uh, our fear with a lot of those things, you know. Because if we don't get rid of our fear, which would be the stiffness, no matter how much we have, we're still going to lack because the zeros do not bring us what we're looking for. We know that they'll bring us to real security. Um, you know, I've talked before about that where for me, I have to get rid of the fear that's associated regardless of how much I have. So um, the hard and strong will fall, the soft and weak will overcome. How do we remain flexible in a situation? You know, that's really the challenge. Uh, for me, that's really what the step, second step's about, that we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. You know, a lot of people take that and think and, and relate that to their higher power as in God, which is fine. Uh, for me, it's really more about surrendering to whatever the situation is. You know, can I, can I approach this situation with open-mindedness? Can I approach this from a from a place of giving, a place of yielding, rather than enter the situation thinking I have it figured out? How many times has someone tried to give me advice that may have been good? I don't know if it was good advice or not because I wouldn't listen because I already had it figured out and I was just waiting on them to finish. I know no one else does that, right? Only me. No, no, no one else does. <laughs> I think for some people, COVID was a higher power. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day and they had a, like a child of theirs, that adult child that took a $20,000 pay cut so he could work from home because his, his business was going back um, in person and he found that working from home was a lot better uh, life balance for him. So he took a $20,000 pay cut to do that. Um, and there's lots of people that seem to have changed their lifestyles um, because uh, the higher power of COVID kind of woke them up a little bit, at least to some parts of life. And they were flexible enough, I guess, to respond to it. I gave away, I gave away part of my business when, when COVID hit because everything went online. And I thought to myself, do you know what? I do not have... I do not have the patience. I'm going to be absolutely honest. I do not have the patience to teach people Taekwondo online. Because I'm thinking to myself, do you know what? You can't teach people to spy. You can't teach people to do self-defense, this, that, and other online. But somebody was willing to give it a go, and I was like, like, like and, and things came to head, and I was like, like, just, there's my side of the business. Just just take it. There was no animosity. In fact, do you know what? My wife's probably more upset about it than I am. And I'm like, look, just just let it go. And I spoke to Buddy about it for for a while because there was there was certain things going on in the relationship that I was not happy about. There's um, our intentions weren't aligning, they weren't aligning anymore. And I was really just at the stage where I was I was, I was saying to Buddy, how can I let this go? And he's like, well, save me money. You just have to you have to give it away. That's the only way you're going to be happy with it is if you give it away. And I didn't actually realize that what it would mean given it away because I've literally had to, I, I, I literally did just say, right, there you go. Have it. I, 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 don't, I, I no longer need it because again, this was stuck around that mindset of I have to have, um, I was working ridiculous hours. So two jobs, so my main work and then going out to, to Taekwondo and teaching and, and then by the time I'd actually done my own training as well, you're coming home and it's like 10, 11 o'clock at night, you're missing everybody, you're not seeing anything, you're not interacting with your wife, your kids. You know, all of a sudden your kids are, your kids 10 and you're like, where, where did you come from? You know, it's like, well, I've been here all along. It's just, you haven't been. And you're like, yeah, do you know, what? It's, it really is, it really is sobering with the amount of time that how, how, how much I'd convinced myself that I was busy. But I wasn't. I was just, I, I was, I was being busy, but I wasn't being productive in the right areas. And you know what? I wasn't bringing in a massive amount of money. So it wasn't really as if it was about the money. Um, but just just that letting it go. And I think you're right. COVID has been a massive higher power for a lot of people because we've realized the important things. We've realized, well, I've certainly realized where I want to spend my time, where I want to spend my attention, who I want to give my love to. Um, I've ended up with a stage now that when COVID hit, I've ended up with seven sponsees. I'm like, you know, I didn't. I didn't envision having that. I'm actually getting more satisfaction and more fulfillment from the work I'm doing, helping others, for no money at all, than I was from the parents that were paying me fees to sometimes just babysit the kids for forty five minutes. That's big. I think having, uh, yeah, do you know, I, I really think having having that freedom of choice now to think to yourself, do you know, Craig, where do you want to divert your energy? Because that's really what I'm doing. Who do you want to give your love to? You know, there's people out there struggling. I'd rather help those that are struggling rather than. Yep. It's funny how I've noticed like how often money is like a really good entry point into like a lot of spiritual philosophy. And I think, you know, I think about quite often because like in, in my job, 
there's the potential there's a lot of tension there's a lot of tension between maybe spiritual principle and a way of life values that I want to operate in and then the world of growth and the world of business and productivity and you know I find it really interesting um, that that tension point for instance tension point there yeah the broader societal values versus like how to operate um and be well in life like based on you know spiritual principles where like it's not valuing hoarding money where you know mainstream society the whole emphasis is that we hoard money and this growth and always really interesting tension point for me how you negotiate actually existing in this contemporary world but kind of pulling away from it and getting space from it and diverting from it. And, you know, like something happened for me the other day where I broke my crack in my windscreen and, you know, my, I called my dad and he said, oh, you know, you could, you could call the insurance company and, you know, pay a little bit extra for a yearly protection of one screen. Then, you know, do a bit of a dodgy and call up three weeks later and say, oh, I've got a crack. And I thought to myself, that's, that's like you know that uh, that that extra money like that so unclear not worth saving a few extra you know a little bit of extra money for me. Craig, why did Matthew five spoke to you? It says you're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are, no more, no less. That's the moment you find yourself proud owners of everything that can't be bought. That's the meat shall inherit the earth part that Hogan mentioned. That was from the Beatitudes. Thank you, Craig. You know, that's that's really what the second step does for me. It's opening me up to return to sane thinking, to return to flexibility, because that is where life is. Life is in being flexible, in stopping the resistance, in learning how to bend. Because no matter how successful we get or how big we get or how mature we get, that does not change. We always have have to. You know, we always, the solution is always the same and surrender, right? It's always the solution, no matter how mature we think we get. So this also made me think of step six and seven. Yeah, because I guess from the standpoint that I had to, I got to stop being so set in my ways thinking that it'll be different if I just do, well, that's, Step three, insanity. If I, if I just do it again, it'll be different, right? And so six and seven is where I could stop, for me anyway, um, one of the places where I get to move from old thinking to new thinking. I mean, all the steps really are like that for me. But, you know, when Craig was, especially when Craig was talking about the whole, um, you know, stop holding on to all the money. You know, that that liability became an asset, you know, and then he started talking about how it shifted when he stopped holding on to it and gave it away. Then his perception shifted. This is my perception of what he said. (laughs) 
So yes, at six, right? We're entirely ready. Like I'm, I'm done. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And yes, that's step one too. But I'm tired of acting the same way I always have acted. And so I'm ready. Take this shit away. Um, and then seven, it's like whatever's left over <laughs> that I'm still kind of holding on to. Any kind of mindset that might I still might think is serving me well, then I'm just willing you know, to, to be open-minded, to let that go too. And to, to just be flexible. How can we maintain that flexibility when things are good? We, we don't get to run the show again, right? We never are to the point to where, okay, God, I, you've shown me twice. I'll take it from there. No, that's never the answer. It's actually the weaker we get, the stronger we become. Period. That doesn't change. Yes, Craig. Just imagine sitting there having that conversation with God saying, right, God, I've got it. And God says, the fuck you do. Honestly, you do not. <laughs> you. I think it goes back to working a program, having, having the accountability of your sponsor and actually, actually working the program rather than talking the program. Am I really doing my step 10 inventory at night time? Am I really doing, am I really doing six and seven? Am I really asking for all my defects of character being removed? Not just the ones that I want rid of, but all of them. And then actually doing it. Um, well, the great thing about six and seven, Craig, is that in six, we're just ready to have God remove all these defects of character. We're just willing. You're just making that decision so to be willing to do it. We're just willing. Okay, God, I'm willing. I surrender. I am willing. And then seven is an asking, and it's a surrender too. You're opening your heart up to change, and how do I change? It's love that changes me. We want to look at God as love. It's love that does the changing. It's my rubbing in against someone else in situations in life that smooth me out. It's every time. You know, if I pray for patience, I'm going to get a line to stand in every time. It's love that changes us. It's the action of love that does that. Uh, I like the bottom of 62. This is the how and why of it. First of all, I had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Next, we decided hereafter in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. He's the principal. We're the agents. He's the father. We're the children. Most good ideas are simple. And this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant arch through which we pass to freedom. Now, what if we don't have a traditional God belief? What if that's offensive to us? We don't believe that there's, you know, the, uh, and this is the thing that's, uh, we all bring our ideas of God to recovery. And for me, I'm just speaking for me. My ideas of what God is have changed and they continue to change. And I think if they ever stop changing, we stop growing. I, I think they're always evolving. If your if your ideas of what God is have not changed recently, I would I would reconsider my place if I'm spiritually fit, quite honestly. Because mine continually changed. Now, it works for me when I replace God with love there. 
this is the how and the why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing love. It didn't work. We didn't, we can't, uh, uh, we can't figure this thing out. We can't be in charge. We can't be in control. Love was going to be our director. When I just choose to do for you instead of for me, if I choose, how can I be compassionate? How can I get love into this situation? That's the question. I'm working with a sponsee and they've got a hard situation with someone. My question is this. How can we get inject love into this situation? What can we do? How can you show gratitude in this situation? How can you show appreciation in this situation? And that's what this is talking about. We gave up, we surrendered control, and we said, how can we be compassionate in this situation? And that always brings about the right answers for me. Always. And that starts with an action on my part, not a belief. It's always an action. It's it's the opposite of what we got before with, for me, before with God. Before, I had a belief. I changed my uh, my behavior, hoping to have a result from that, uh, like a reward for my belief in my behavior. Now, and the action came last. Now, the action is first, and then I change because I've changed my actions. I act my way into right thinking. When I start decide to love other people and decide to pray for you instead of curse you, I start changing. That's me giving up the control. That's me being flexible. That's how I can be flexible in everyday life. And the rest of the uh, verbiage that talks, you know, as an external gray-haired guy in the sky, I can just ignore that. And everybody needs to be where they are with their with their God belief, you know? We need to give people room to to figure that out for themselves. You know, buddy, right after what you read, I think it's, um, I, I just want to keep reading. Um, when we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. So when I get out of the freaking way, and when I stop thinking that I'm in charge of everything, we had a new employer being all powerful. He or she or love provided what we needed. If we kept close to love and performed love, Loves work well, established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs. More and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life. As we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, as we discovered we could face life successfully, as we became conscious of love's presence, we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter we were reborn. So there's another paradoxical idea right? We give it away to keep it. We die to live. Um, we suffer to get well and we surrender to win. Over in Scotland, they have now recommended absolutely no alcohol whatsoever to anybody who is um, who's trying to conceive or is pregnant. They put an absolute zero um, limit of absolutely nothing at all on it. We laugh at me. I know sometimes we have to get my doctor didn't exactly say you should drink all the wine because you're pregnant. So I just thought it was kind yeah, of funny. I mean, yeah, I know, but this, this... when you're pregnant, you don't take anything. I, I mean, I was completely sober when I was pregnant. Naturally, it was weird. Yeah, but we, we, we've had this thing, you know, that, that 
the medical directors recommend that you have no more than so many units per week when you're pregnant. But now the turnarounds are like absolutely nothing at all is acceptable, even on St. Patrick's Day. Well, I know there's probably a lot of pregnancies as a result of alcohol. As a result of alcohol. I literally have a sponsee that um, picked up. <laughs> picked up a nine-month chip and had a baby like in the same week not even kidding you so yeah and she she had she had like a year plus sober before she went back out and then so yeah that was um absolutely true nine months nine month chip and a baby (laughs) i thought about you marla when we were in belize city the last couple of nights because i'm not into yoga but I like the atmosphere that yoga creates, the conditions. We were just talking about create the conditions. And yeah. so we stayed at a place called Harbor View Yoga Retreat. And and um the sign on the in front of the, the vegan cafe where we um where we ate, it said um Namaste, leave your shoes and your ego at the door. And there was a big ohm on the wall painted. Um, so I felt like I belonged because, you know, that was the universe telling me I needed to be there because I have an old tattooed on my arm. I got all the things, right? I look, I look the part on the outside. I just don't actually do the yoga. <laughs> so maybe one day I will. Yeah, it's, it's seeping in. It just takes us such a long time. Anything else? If not, you guys have a great week and we will see you next week. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.